0: The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. up. But the house on the rock stood firm. The foolish man built his house on the sand." The foolish man built his house on the sand. The foolish man built his house on the sand, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up, up, and the house on the sand went splat. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessings will come down. The blessings come down as your prayers go up. The blessings come down as your prayers go up. The blessings come down as your prayers go up. So build your life on the Lord. Welcome back to another edition of Hope for Today. I have just read for you the words of a familiar children's Sunday school song, The Wise Man Built His House. I am wondering today what we are building on, what we are investing in on a daily basis. One thing is for sure, the rains are going to come into all of our lives. Some of the rain will be in the midst of a hurricane or perhaps even a tornado. And when those storms hit, people will know what you have been building on, who or what your faith has been in and if it is straight excuse me and if it is faith strong enough to withstand the rains or storms that come and it will not leave you devastated and in shambles in the gospel of matthew chapter 7 near the end of the sermon on the mount in verses 24 through 27 hear these words of jesus all who listen to my instructions and follow them are wise like a man who builds his house on solid rock Though the rain comes in, the rain comes in torrents and the floods rise and the storm winds beat against his house, it won't collapse, for it is built on rock. But those who hear my instructions and ignore them are foolish, like a man who builds his house on sand. For when the rains and floods come and storm winds beat against his house, it will fall with a mighty crash." From my Life Application Bible study notes on these verses, here is what it says. Like a house of cards, the fool's life crumbles. Most people do not deliberately seek a false or inferior foundation upon which to build their lives. Instead, they just don't think about their life's purpose. Many people are headed for destruction, not out of stubbornness, but out of thoughtlessness. Part of our responsibility as believers is to help others stop and think about where their lives are headed and to point out the consequences of ignoring Christ's message. End of uh, the notes. So to those of you who are believers, I think we should embrace the assumption that we are expected to be building on rock. So what is your rock? What is the foundation of your life? Henry Blackaby, in reflecting on verse 24, says, Don't be like the foolish builder. Don't think your job is done once you've heard what Jesus has to say. When you hear a great message, or when you read a profound truth in your Bible, these are nothing more than sound waves tickling your eardrums unless you apply what you hear. The evidence that you've listened is a changed life. It was Dwight L. Moody who said, the purpose of Bible study is not to increase your knowledge, but to change your life. God's Word has more than enough wisdom to see you through life's storms. Jesus has so much to tell you. Are you listening? If the basis of your life is all about making money, you are probably like the rich fool that Jesus talks about in his parable found in Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21, that I'm going to read to you right now. "'Beware, don't always be wishing for what you don't have, "'for real life and real living "'are not related to how rich we are.'" Then he gave an illustration. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. In fact, his barns were full to overflowing. He couldn't get everything in. He thought about his problem and finally exclaimed, "'I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones.'" Then I'll have room enough, and I'll sit back and say to myself, Friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, wine, women, and song for you. But God said to him, Fool, tonight you die. Then who will get it all? Yes, every man is a fool who gets rich on earth, but not in heaven. I now want to read to you about a man who had it all. And that man was the son of King David, and his name was King Solomon. I want to read you these verses from Second Chronicles, the first chapter. And I'm going to get to it shortly. King David's son Solomon was now the undisputed ruler of Israel, for the Lord his God had made him a powerful monarch. God appeared to Solomon and told him, "'Ask me for anything, and I will give it to you.' Solomon replied, "'Oh, God, you have been so kind and good to my father David, "'and now you have given me the kingdom. "'This is all I want, for you have for—' "'Excuse me. "'And this is—oh, this is all I want.' "'That was all he wanted was the kingdom. "'For you have fulfilled your promise to David my father "'and have made me king over a nation as full of people as the earth is full of dust.' Now give me wisdom and knowledge to rule them properly. For who is able to govern by himself such a great nation as this one of yours? God replied, Because your greatest desire is to help your people, and you haven't asked for personal wealth and honor, and you haven't asked me to curse your enemies, and you haven't asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to properly guide my people, yes, I'm giving you the wisdom and knowledge you ask for, and I'm also giving you such riches, wealth, and honor as no other king has ever had before you, and there will never again be so great a king in all the world. So when we hear about Solomon being so wise, we now know where he got it. There is much that King Solomon had to say about fools and wise men. And I'm going to read the introduction to the book of Ecclesiastes from my life application study Bible. And then I'm going to read you some selected verses from that book, the book of Ecclesiastes. So here I go with Ecclesiastes, and this is where there's an introduction part. Empty, futile, and hollow are words which capture the feelings of disappointment and disillusionment. This is the life experience of many. They strive to find the good life, filled with possessions, power, and pleasure, only to find life empty and meaningless. Such disappointment ends in despair. Almost 3,000 years ago, Solomon spoke of this human dilemma. But the insights and applications of his message are relevant in our century. Ecclesiastes, Solomon's Written Sermon, is an analysis of life's experiences and a critical essay about its meaning. In this profound book, Solomon takes us on a mental journey through his life, and he explains how everything he tried, tested, or tasted was useless, irrational, pointless, foolish, and empty, an exercise in futility. And remember, these words are from one who had it all, tremendous power, wisdom, and wealth. After this biographical tour, Solomon makes his triumphant conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments, for this is the entire duty of man. For God will judge us for everything we do, including every hidden thing, good or bad. When Solomon became king, he asked God for wisdom, and he became the wisest man in the world. He studied, taught, judged, and wrote. Kings and leaders from other nations came to Jerusalem to learn from him. But with all of his practical insight on life, Solomon failed to heed his own advice, and his life began its downward spiral. Near the end of his life, he looked back with an attitude of humility and repentance. He took stock of the world as he had experienced it, hoping to spare his readers the bitterness of learning through personal experience that everything apart from God is empty, hollow, and meaningless. Although the tone of Ecclesiastes is negative and pessimistic, we must not conclude that the only chapter worth reading and applying is the last where he draws his conclusions. In reality, the entire book is filled with practical wisdom, how to accomplish things in the world and stay out of trouble, and spiritual wisdom, how to find and know eternal values. Solomon had a very honest approach to life. All of his remarks relating to the futility of life are there for a purpose, to lead people to seek true happiness in God alone. He was not trying to destroy all hope, but to direct our hopes to the only one who can truly fulfill them. Solomon affirms the value of knowledge, relationships, work, and pleasure, but only in their proper place. All of these temporal things in life must be seen in light of the eternal. Read Ecclesiastes and learn about life. Hear the stern warnings and dire predictions and commit yourself to honor your Creator now. Then I'm going to read a couple of things about the importance of this book. Above everything, we should strive to know and love God. The cure for emptiness is to center on God. Fear God throughout your life and fill your life with serving God and others rather than selfish pleasures. Because life is short, we need wisdom which is greater than this world can offer. We need the words of God. If we listen to Him, His wisdom spares us the bitterness of futile human experience. When we realize that God will evaluate all we do, we should learn to live wisely remembering that He is present every day and obeying His guidelines for living. We can only have God's wisdom when we find God. So that's the search that we should be on is finding God. So now I'm going to go through some of these verses in Ecclesiastes that I have highlighted here in my Bible. God gives those who please Him wisdom, knowledge, and joy. And then everything is appropriate in its own time. But though God has planted eternity in the hearts of men, even so, many cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. And I know this, that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added or taken away from it. God's purpose in this is that man should fear the all-powerful God. In due season, God will judge everything man does, both good and bad. He who loves money shall never have enough. The foolishness of thinking that wealth brings happiness. The more you have, the more you spend, right up to the limits of your income. So what is the advantage of wealth, except perhaps to watch it as it runs through your fingers? It is very good if a man has received wealth from the Lord and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life, that is indeed a gift from God. The person who does that will not need to look back with sorrow on his past, for God gives him joy. A good reputation is more valuable than the most expensive perfume. It is better to spend your time at funerals than at festivals, for you are going to die, and it is a good thing to think about it while there is still time. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. Yes, a wise man thinks much of death, while the fool thinks only of having a good time. Don't be quick-tempered. That is being a fool. Enjoy prosperity whenever you can, and when hard times strike, realize that God gives one as well as the other, so that everyone will realize that nothing is certain in this life. If you fear God, you can expect His blessing. A wise man is stronger than the mayors of ten big cities, and there is not a single man in all the earth who is always good and never sins. The wise man will find a time and a way to do what he says. Because God does not punish sinners instantly, people feel it is safe to do wrong. But though a man sins a hundred times and still lives, I know very well that those who fear God will be better off. Wisdom is better than strength. Give generously, for your gifts will return to you later. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. It is a wonderful thing to be alive. If a person lives to be very old, let him rejoice in every day of life. But let him also remember that eternity is far longer and that everything down here is futile in comparison. Young man, it is wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do all you want to. Take in everything, but realize that you must account to God for everything you do. So banish grief and pain, but remember that youth, with a whole life before it, can make serious mistakes. Don't let the excitement of being young cause you to forget about your Creator. Honor Him in your youth before the evil years come. When you'll no longer enjoy living. And then the last, uh, the last of the book, the last, uh, let's say, maybe four or five verses. But then because the preacher was wise and the preacher is Solomon, he went on teaching the people all he knew. And he collected proverbs and classified them. For the preacher was not only a wise man, but a good teacher. He not only taught what he knew to the people, but taught them in an interesting manner. The wise man's words are like goads that spur to action. They nail down important truths. Students are wise who master what their teachers tell them. But, my son, be warned, there is no end of opinions ready to be expressed. Studying them can go on forever and become very exhausting. Here is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commandments, for this is the entire duty of man. For God will judge us for everything we do, including every hidden thing, good or bad. And in the notes for these last verses, it said, um, No matter what the mysteries are in this book and apparent contradictions in your own life, you must work toward the single purpose of knowing God. So anyhow, that's some wise words from Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. And now... I am going, okay, here. What is it that you are wanting today? If you are in your 80s or 90s, it is probably not the same thing that those in their 30s and 40s are seeking after, or even those in their 50s and 60s. I think we all would like to know that our loved ones are saved and will wind up in heaven with us. Of course, we would like to know for sure that we ourselves will actually be in heaven, which, of course, we can be sure if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior Remember John three sixteen. I think we would like for people to be kind, that we ourselves would live the golden rule each day. I believe those of us with children and grandchildren would like them to go to church on a regular basis. I think we all would like our relatives to get along, that we would like to be forgiven for our mistakes, that we would not worry so much about things we have no control over, that we would experience peace in our lives even in the midst of storms. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, To seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I don't know about you, but I like that thought that all will be added unto me. But it is only as I seek His kingdom first. And in the Lord's Prayer, we are asking the Lord to forgive us as we forgive those who have offended us or or who have trespassed against us. On occasion, and not every day, I promise you that, I am asked how I can be nice when someone is not so nice or has offended me. And I ask them, how can I not be nice when I pray this prayer nearly every day? And this is the prayer by Rev. James H. Boyd that comes from the God's Minute Prayer Book. Fill us with the Spirit of Jesus that all our speech and conduct may reveal His life in us, that we may constantly glorify Thee. End of that prayer. So since I am a Christian and I have the Spirit of Jesus living in me, I really do not want to do anything to grieve or quench the Spirit of Jesus. I wish I could say I was dead to myself and that only Jesus is alive in me. And to a little extent, that may be true, But I have a long way to go, as I imagine a lot of you listening do as well. The foundational things we need to be doing are reading the Bible, God's Word, praying to God, seeking to know God better, and seeking to know His will. In other words, we need to be moving toward God, thinking about God, praying to God, studying His Word, because that's how He tells us. That's how we know what He wants us to do. I think I told you all once before that uh, when you are praying, you are talking to God, but when you're reading His Word, He is talking to you. and, And who needs to be doing most of the talking? And I would say probably the Lord. And I can't tell you right now where it is, but somewhere in the New Testament it says that the chief aim of man should be to bring glory to God, which is something we should all be striving to do. So if you or I have a bad attitude as we wait in line at the DMV or the grocery store, or if we show our frustration or our impatience and say an unkind word to a store clerk or even a relative, we are not glorifying the Lord. As Charles Spurgeon would say, we are not confirming the truth of Christ. But instead, if you are known to be a Christian and attend church on a regular basis, what you are actually doing in situations like this is doing damage to God's kingdom. Please don't let us who profess to know Christ live in a manner that we would be ashamed for God to see. Because believe me when I say that He does see everything we do. In Beth Moore's devotional prayer book, Whispers of Hope, I want to read you what she has to say about the wise and foolish builders that we first heard about today. Okay. Both men built a house. Both men faced a storm. What is a house? Walls of protection, a refuge, a fortress, a place to rest and fellowship, often a place that defines our worth, our status, a place to call our own. Each of us builds a house for ourselves in one way or another. Then came the storm. In every life, what we've built is subject to raging winds and rising floods. They will come. Christ warns that the only indestructible house is the one built upon the rock of His teachings. The strength of our houses is not dependent on our salvation. It is not dependent on our faith. It's dependent on our willingness to live according to God's Word. An unsettling thought indeed. You see... We can be never miss a church service Christians but still never get into God's word excuses like I'm just not the studious type don't cut it we are a people desperate for God's word more than anything God's people need to know his word and be willing to give him the freedom to adjust our lives to its precepts guarantees from come from living our lives according to scripture yes storms will come But we have an absolute promise. Our lives will not collapse. Every time we leave a Bible study or a sermon and methodically begin to discount the truth we've heard or apply it to other people, a few shingles slide off our roofs. The sheetrock crumbles in a place or two, and our foundations crack just a little bit more. But the best of news prevails. Every time we receive... Believe and heed his word, he nails new shingles to our roofs. He reinforces our walls with fresh sheetrock, and his wet cement hardens beneath our feet. The storms come, but the house stands. As long as we have breath, it is never too late for a foolish man to become wise. Better to have a hut on the rock than a castle on the sand. So let me ask you now, as I did earlier... What are you building your life on, rock or sand? The world, this world, is passing away, and it appears to me that it is going faster and faster every day. If you have not built your life on the rock of Jesus Christ, and you have a lot of sadness and remorse over what you have done, and there is not much time left for you on earth, I have good news for you today. Jesus Christ is our hope for today and every day. And if you want to go to heaven, and who doesn't want to go to heaven, the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the and to his letter to the Romans, excuse me. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Romans in chapter 10 verse 13, "Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As long as you are breathing, it is not too late. Get off that sand and start building on the rock of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening.